Blue Wire Podcast. Yeah, baby. It's uh, free agency. This is All Eyes on Cleveland. Uh, it's Thursday night. You're locked in here on the OBR streaming network. Uh, you can be watching on Twitch or YouTube. Uh, and uh, we appreciate you stopping by. If you're here to uh, listen to us, talk about the Browns here tonight and enjoy this uh, stream, let's uh, go ahead and hit that like button, subscribe, and the notification bell. Uh, it's free show. So uh, that's, uh, pay your penance there. Hit the like button. We appreciate it that way. We also have a deal going on at the OBR. OBR been putting out amazing content of late. I just want to let you know that you can go over there right now and get two months for $1. Uh, make sure you are aware of that. And uh, I appreciate you all in the chat uh, saying nice things. And welcome back to another Thursday night with All Eyes on Cleveland. And we've got a couple guests here at the OBR right now. Let's dive right into the... The madness of free agency that it is. Uh, the leader of all at OBR, the one and only, Barry McBride is with us. Barry, how you doing, sir? I'm doing great. Doing absolutely great. Very psyched about what's happened so far this week and uh, hope that there's more to come. Yeah, me too. Uh, more works to come. We're going to get into all that tonight, or at least I hope so. Uh, and uh, the fantastic Andrew Spade, of course, with us. Now, we may have other guests throughout the night hopping in uh, at the OBR tonight. It's an OBR night here at All Eyes on Cleveland. I hope you enjoy. Uh, the Big Cheese, says uh, Charlie, as, uh, yes, the Big Cheese is here. Andrew, how are you, sir? How are you feeling about things? Uh, what's going on, brother? I'm doing well, uh, Brad. Thank you for having me. Um, this is my third OBR show of the week, so uh, I, I probably should have come into OBR Weekly for five minutes last night just to just to hit the, hit for the cycle. There you go. Look at you 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 are uh, you are all over it. People just cannot get enough of Andrew Spade. That is that, <laughs> that is to. no truer words uh, right there. So uh, guys, real quick rundown: uh, Obagnaya Okoronkwu, uh, day one. Great signing, three years, $22.5 million, 12.5 guaranteed, uh, $2.18 million cap hit. What's amazing about all these signings as we go through them real quickly here, guys, is the cap hits and the first-year cap hit, which Jack has so nicely, Jack Duffin has so nicely laid out for all us all to see um, over at the OBR, but... All these first-year cap hits are very minimal on these deals. So, Dalvin Tomlinson, you get your run stuffer, your guy that can play uh, nose uh, and can play some three-tech as well. Played more nose when he was in New York, and then did uh, they did some more with him in Minnesota. Uh, moved him around, but he's capable of both. Four-year deal, $57 million, 27.5 guaranteed, only a $4.3 million cap hit in year one. Juan Thornhill... My favorite signing, personally. Uh, very happy about that. Three years, $21 million, 14 guaranteed, 2.2 cap hit. And then we get Maurice Hurst. Congratulations to Brad Stainbrook breaking that signing last night at the OBR. Uh, congratulations to him. Uh, great uh, feat there. Well done by him. And then today we get a Tristan Hill signing. And we'll talk about that. Uh, kind of a body, maybe a camp body or, or, or uh, just somebody to throw at the... Uh, at the position, uh, I want to go. So we'll start with you, Barry. Uh, your favorite signing, 
and right now, uh, your biggest concern, you know, it can be like that they haven't addressed something yet or whatever it is. So your favorite signing and your biggest concern so far. My favorite uh, signing is Agbo so far. I'll call him double O, whatever I have to do to not pronounce his name. Yeah, absolutely. Um, very excited about him. Uh, you know, this is a player who is on the ascent. Uh, you know, it appears right now, if you saw Jake Burns' uh, dissection of his tape, you know, you can't help but come away from that with excitement. Um, you know, an interesting comparison I saw was Shaquille Barrett, you know, a guy who blossomed a little bit later in his career. If we get anything even in the remote neighborhood of that, you know, level of performance from him, it is going to be a revelation. You know, the first legitimate pass rush threat that we've had opposite Miles Garrett uh, is going to put a lot of fear into people, you know. I, I think the Bengals have already gotten the message with all the money that they're starting to pour into their offensive line, you know, uh, about what's happening up here in Cleveland. So, you know, that's my biggest excitement. Uh, my biggest concern at this point, um, we've got Tomlinson, but what are we lining up next to him at this point? Um, you know, I could be worried about wide receiver. I could be worried about linebacker. Uh, I could be worried about the slot corner since we don't have anybody who really is willing to play it right now. But right now, given what happened last year with the rushing attack, I know Tomlinson, if he gets hurt, we're back to where we were last year you know, at this point. And so I'm very, very concerned about that. Uh, you know, these signings over the last couple of days are attempts to catch lightning in a bottle. Uh, yeah. Are, you know, we just need a couple of guys named Malik and we're back in 2021. <laughs> you know, um, I, I, I'm not really encouraged about it. I, I was hoping for a, a Sheldon Rankins. Uh, I'm still hoping for an, an Ioannidis or an Ashawn yeah. Robinson or somebody like that to come in. Uh, right now, that that's what concerns me is, uh, uh, you know, Tomlinson getting hurt and being right back to where we were. So call me paranoid, but that's what I'm worried about right now. No, I think that uh, a lot of us probably share your concern. Let's. Uh, we have another member of the OBR here. Uh, he lied to me, told me he could not make it, and then he pops in and across the pond, my man, uh, Jack Duffin, you, you liar. You son oh, of a gun, you. I work some magic, and I'm here sporting the old uh, Paul Brown podcast. Good. Just, uh, good. To, yeah. A little bit of a rival you, match. Jack, you're in front of a gigantic rock wall. Is that what I'm seeing? Yeah. yeah, that's fantastic. I, I love that background there. Uh, that's great. Yeah, yeah. Jack uh, Jack uh, fell down a well. Uh, hilarious. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, so welcome to All Eyes on Cleveland, Jack. It's not your first appearance here. It won't be your last, so appreciate having you. The question right now that we're kind of going around discussing is, what is your favorite signing so far, and uh, what are you concerned about? Uh, I'm going to kick it to you for here, Andrew, and let you uh, tell me who your favorite signing is, why, and then what uh, your main concern is at this point. Uh, well, I agree with Barry, the Okoronko signing, just because of the upside. You know, I think we know pretty much what Dal Dalvin Tomlinson is as a player. I, I suppose there's some upside with the Thornhill signing, but it feels pretty priced into his, you know, his contract. Like he needs to be like a good safety for that contract to be worthwhile not that it's expensive but just like it's he's being paid as a starting safety i uh, think Okoronko, he is a good safety though well no and i'm just saying he has to perform that's all i'm saying I, you know okay but with okoronko my, my point there is that 
Um, he's being paid like a part-time player, and uh, he's not being paid as a starting edge. Um, if he were to hit big this year, um, to Barry's point, and really take that sort of a Barrett-sized leap, you'd be you'd be paying what uh, $12 million below market for a player of that quality. So he's the upside swing of the offseason so far. Um, and, and so that it, you know that's the signing that it's easiest to get the most excited about. It's also you know Jake did a really great job on that film room, and I think yeah. that has fed a lot of our excitement, frankly, because there's a there's clearly a vision for who he is as a player. Um, my concern, I'll just I'll kind of piggyback off of what Barry said, but I'll take a different spin on it. You know, we talked earlier in the week about the Ethan Posich signing more in a vacuum, just in terms of what they've spent at offensive line and how much it is and how good the offensive line will have to be to be worth it. Yeah. Um, we, we, we went, we had a pretty good back and forth about this today in the, in our slack about yeah. whether or not we think they're done adding to the defensive line. I tend to lean that they are because they've added five players. So or four players. So typically when you add that, that number of players that indicates, you know, it would be, it would be surprising to me to see them sign a bunch more. If that's true and they are done, then you really look at the imbalance between what they're spending on the offensive line and what they're spending on the defensive line, and it just continues not to make any sense. They could have gone cheap at center and uh, invested more in the defensive line. You know, they could have tried to shift one of the salaries of, uh, you know, probably Wyatt Teller and and, and equalize that way. But it just the, the allocation of resources, putting so much into the offensive line and continuing potentially, I, I know that it's early and I'm not trying to jump to any conclusions, but there's the indication that potentially they're they're going to try a, a sort of a you know a scrap heap uh, solution next to Dalvin Tomlinson, and we've seen you know as Barry said that how that goes in years past with the the Maliks two years ago and then whatever you want to say about last year um, I, that that imbalance in resource allocation between the offensive and defensive lines is frustrating to me and concerning. it is. Yeah, no, I'm I'm there with you, and and uh, I hope they're not done because like Maurice Hurst and I'll get Jack. I'm going to get your thoughts on this, but Hurst and uh, Hill, it's kind of hard to count those guys as like ads, right? Because although they're falling on day four of free agency, they aren't really a day four free agency type signing. They're kind of the signing that you would have a months down the line, right, to kind of fill out your roster. Maybe Hurst is more than that, right? Maybe. Uh, he seems to have more upside than than Hill, I think. Um, Jack, what's your favorite signing so far? Uh, and uh, what's your biggest concern at this point? And uh, can you, uh, you know, ease our, uh, our anxiety about the defensive line? Or do you think they're done there as well? Go ahead. Yeah, so for me, it's, it's Okoronkwo. Uh, he's a player that I've been banging the table for for about 18 months now, and to finally see him um, it, it come into the Cleveland Browns is genuinely really exciting. So um, over the moon with that one. Um, I, I, I still think we're going to see a defensive tackle um, because I'm looking at this room and I'm thinking, hey, we've got number one locked in. That's Tomlinson. That's not going to change for the next two years. He is going to be number one. He's paid that money. That's his role. Behind that, Jordan Elliott could be someone they go with, but I just don't see it, if I'm honest. I don't think that's where they're going to go. Um, there was noise even once the um, Tomlinson deal happened that they were still in on rankings. And I, I think they're still sniffing around. Um, and they're looking for a guy in there. 
Um, then behind that, I think Hurston Hill could be really good sort of threes potentially. Obviously, health's going to be the question and do they do that? And they, they're in my cheat sheet as guys that could be a three. And if there was no Perry on Winfrey, I'd say, hey, that's a really nice combo to battle for the three. But I think it's it's a nice room that they've got with almost if it's Winfrey, Still, Hurst, Hill, Togiai, those five, let's see who gets the two spots and whoever it might be. And hey, Perry on Winfrey shows some flashes, but he also showed times at last season how he couldn't, might not be on a roster because he does something stupid. So that's always a danger. Um, I think, and that's probably going to be something that is going to be there for the entire career that he has. Um, and the team will want to go into the draft with no needs. And I mean no needs to the extent that if you said this room is going to be how it is, because, yeah, it's a great defensive tackle draft, but at the same time, there might not be somebody who is good value uh, every time they pick because there might be runs on the position. Think safety last year. Um, yeah. There were so many times where it was like, hey, we're going to take the safety now. And then three out of the five picks before every time we drafted, boom, all the safeties at that sweet spot were gone. You have to be prepared for we get to the end of the draft and we don't take a DT. And that that is a very realistic thing. So you have to be happy with the room. So I think they're at a nice spot there. And um, yeah, once they add another guy, um, it might be an Ioannidis, um, might be a Claire's Campbell, I think would be great fun. But I want a guy on a one-year deal. So that might be what takes them out of the Ioannidis sweepstakes because there is this core of young guys that could potentially step up next year. And if Winfrey has a great year as a three, boom, I'd love him to be the two um, next year. And that you you don't want to ever put a ceiling on it where even if, say, you signed an edge three who's on a two, three-year deal, right, that's over. You've given up on Alex right effectively uh, because for two, three years, they're never going to be higher than a four. So I, I think it's about just a one-year deal there, does the job. And um, for me, Claire's Campbell would be an absolute no-brainer. Um, and then, hey, let everyone battle it out. Um, if it's Hurston Hill, beat out um, still, even Winfrey. So, bit, I'm I'm cool with it. Two two issues I have with that, real quick. To to uh, Barry and Andrew's point, uh, if you draw an injury from Tomlinson, you could be right back where you were last year, which was a historically bad uh, defensive tackle room, right? If you don't address it otherwise. And Alex Wright, I don't think, is ready to to take on. I mean, Okoronkwu has not taken more than 500 snaps, right? So are you going to ask then Alex Wright, if he's defensive end three, to take 500 snaps this year? No, so I'm talking about adding a guy this year so that I want a one-year deal and an edge three. Okay. Um, whether it's a Fowler, whether it's there, – there's a few other guys out there. Have him as a three, and then the idea should be 2024. Ha- if Perry and Winfrey plays well, boom, you're starting next to Tomlinson. If Wright okay. plays well, boom, you're number three. Not this season, but next season. And I apologize. Well, you, you can't put – if you sign someone to a – say semi-guaranteed two years then you've effectively ruled that player out for hey that's Alex Wright's rookie career more or less done because it's year four is the first time he could be even the top three in the rotation um, yeah which hey he might never get there it's yeah. very realistic draft picks don't always hit but you want that hope um yeah 
I, I misunderstood your succession plan there, and I jumped the gun. So I apologize, Jack. Very, uh, very good. Yeah, wh- one year would be fine. You know, uh, I, I just want, uh, and I want to welcome the, the legend Fred Greetham to uh, All Eyes on Cleveland tonight. Uh, Fred, thanks for your time. I'm getting to you right away here uh, after I finish my thought. But I want to make sure that Alex Wright is defensive end four this season. Feels like that that is a priority so like carlos dunlap out there there's some names out there even you know uh who did we talk about uh what's the frank uh um clark clark frank clark uh cleveland kid would make a lot of sense uh okay fred so i have asked the question what is your favorite signing and what is your biggest concern at this point so let me know uh, what your favorite signing so far by the Browns is, and what are you most worried about at this point? Well, I would say that I have to say Dalvin Tomlinson because in my in my projection, the number one need was, you know, kind of a no-brainer interior defensive line in what we saw last year and them never really seemingly – addressing that with legitimate players. You know, Andrew Barry was asked about that at the combine. He pushed back, said, oh, no, we've had, we've added assets. But, you know, okay, a third-round pick is the highest, really, that you have went after it. <clears throat> and in free agents, you just got kind of retreads. So Tomlinson, to me, you know, I liked listening, hearing what he had to say today. and And I just think, to me, you know, he's the closest to a Sheldon Richardson that the team's had, you know, since Barry took over. So, but I feel like they still need more, you know, and then, you know, Edge was the second one and I like the signing and fourth was safety and I like the signing. All of those signings were number, Tomlinson was my fourth guy, um, Double O is my second or third guy, and Thornhill is my third guy. So I'm pretty happy with what they've done. Now I just would like to see more. It's kind of like hurry up and do something because I feel like we've been here before and you keep waiting for them to add a little more, and then that's what they're going with. So, yeah, I know with some of these older one year vets, I think it's a two way street. I think some of them sit around waiting too they don't really want to jump in and sign thinking they can get a one year deal in training camp. Why do they have to do something now? So you kind of want to know everything's filled. At least they can feel the team right now with the safety, the tackle and the edge. So I'd say the defensive tackle Dalvin Tomlinson right now is my number one move. And your biggest concern is that they don't add any more. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not that thrilled with Hurst and and uh, what I know about them, you know, Hill. I don't like just adding guys that are just okay at one time on his scouting report. He always seems like if he's high on a guy when they came out of the draft, he signs them if they're available. You know, Brian, former first-round pick. Carl Joseph, former first-round pick. <laughs> he does like that. Um, <clears throat> Tack McKinley, you know, guys like that. And I guess lightning in a bottle. But as far as I kind of want a sure thing, I want a little more depth. Just like you said, on depth, think of wide receiver. 
when when Cooper started to get dinged as the season went on, y'all were thinking the same thing I am. They have nobody behind Cooper. They got Peoples Jones and nothing. You know, you got to have depth because they always guys get injured. So you got to get some more guys, and that's why I like the two for one thing. Spend ten million and get two or three legitimate players. And then if one's hurt, you still got one other one, you know, like the, we keep using Jerry Hughes, Melvin Ingram. Well, there's a ton of those guys, Justin Houston, Frank Clark, you know, they might think, uh, they might not think themselves that way, but do it. And Kelly's Campbell. Yeah. You know, he's going to end up going back to the Ravens. So go, yeah. go make him an offer. He can't refuse and say, screw the Ravens. I'm going to, you know, they keep doing this to me. So go get somebody yep. like that, and then you know what you got. I, I agree. Uh, it feel, it, Many times before we have been here, and it feels like they're close, right? Uh, and like last year, my complaint was like, you've spent enough money, you've gone this far, finish the roster, right? And I know sometimes that's easy to say and harder to do, but like this is a year where they can't screw around and not – you know, address a certain part of this roster. This is, you know, self-preservation Stefanski. Like, I don't want them to have to go look for a coach again, guys. Like, this is it. So they have to find a way to win. Barry, uh, wide receiver, linebacker, defensive end three, defensive tackle two, I could say are all four needs still that haven't been addressed. Which was your highest priority on that list? Well, that's a good question. I, I put wide receiver at this point. Um, we need uh, we need some more weapons uh, on offense. I, I think it's as simple as that. Uh, you know, someone just mentioned uh, uh, Cooper getting hurt, and if that were to happen, uh, we'd be in trouble. We need somebody who can stretch the field. Um, there's a couple of free agents out there who have that capability. Uh, unfortunately, they're injured quite a great deal. Uh, but uh, the most interesting thing to me that happened today is Paris Campbell signing a contract, which was very, very reasonable uh, with the Giants, uh, indicating that the waiting game is working. Uh, prices seem to be coming down a little bit. McCole Hardman or DJ Chark may be more realistic than they were three days ago, four days ago, uh, and might be worth talking to uh, at this point. Um now, as Fred, I think, could point out, we have uh, Jakeem Grant, uh, Darden, uh, some of these other guys that we've talked about on OBR Weekly who could potentially help stretch the field as well. Uh, but I'd like a proven commodity in that, uh, in that role. Uh, so for me, uh, right now, um, I still want that additional defensive tackle, but uh, I'd be starting to talk with these, uh, uh, these wide receivers right now. Barry, like you brought up the the point that pisses me off the most right now. Like I I am furious at the fact that Paris Campbell signed a one year three million dollar deal, and it wasn't to us. I know Jack, you're probably off on this and whatever, but like guys, come on! Everybody told me, including you, Jack. Come on, no, nobody. He's not going to get a prove it deal. Nobody will give him a prove it deal. He got not only did he get a prove it deal, he got a freaking one million dollar or fucking one 
one-year, $3 million deal, guys. That is absurd. Uh, the market is softening. But Paris Campbell would have been perfect in my mind. Uh, finally healthy for a year, an ascending player, $3 million, nothing to lose there, right? Like, And you add a, a potential huge weapon to the room. It, it, it infuriated me to see that. And then you see Slayton go resign. Uh, like... There's this this market is softer. I mean, Shark's still out there. Hardman's still out there. I don't think Hardman's getting ten million anymore. I could be wrong. I'll ask you in a second about that, Jack. Uh, Andrew, uh, did did that? What do you, do you think of Paris Campbell? And then out of those four positions, wide receiver, linebacker, DE three, and defensive tackle two. Which is your highest priority, sir? Um, I'm tempted to, to agree wide receiver. Um, but I, you know, I have to say that I think none of the remaining wide receivers that are free agents, I mean, really none of the free agents overall were ever that tempting to me. I guess Hardman at the right price would be interesting just because of the speed, you know, that that's the one thing that maybe is, is an elite trait at least that's still available. But, uh, at this point, you know, if they, I mean, I, you know, there's been so much smoke and, and reporting about, um, you know, Jerry, Judy, and what's going on in, in Denver, and, you know, is there is there a wide receiver trade out there? Uh, obviously, you know, there's a lot of teams interested, so that drives the price up or keeps the price high. Um, but I, I, you know, I think if I, if, if, if I was running the Browns as a Madden franchise right now, I think I would spend more money on the defensive line, given the, the, the depth at those positions still. As Jack mentioned, there are still players available um, that, that could be had for a reasonable price, and then maybe try and combine, com- combine some assets and, and, and see if you couldn't get Jerry Judy or, uh, you know, Cortland Sutton, one of those guys from Denver. Yeah, uh, the Denver situation is intriguing. You know, I keep watching. Uh, they're asking a heavy price right now, or at least what we've seen. They want a one or an early two. We don't have either. Uh, right. So, you know, I mean, I guess 42 might get you in play with something else paired with it. Uh, are you willing to do that or would you rather like, I I don't know. I think that there's enough wide receivers in this draft class. It's hard. It's that's a, you got to really weigh that. Like, would you rather have a guy on a rookie deal? Like, cause if you can get at 42, a downs, he's a polished receiver. That's going to help somebody right away this year. And he would help you for four years, right? On the cheap. And then you right. can really build a, a roster. So, yeah. do you want that, or do you want Judy for two years and then have to extend him on a monster deal? It's it's a tough decision, right? I th- I think that there's always it is a tough decision. I think that there's always a discount for veteran players, right? I mean, uh, you know, Jer- Jerry Judy was a first round pick. You're getting him for a second round pick. To me, that seems like a worthwhile trade. He's also a proven commodity. You know, you have you have tape of him playing NFL football against NFL players. No such tape exists for any draft receiver, right? So um, I, I tend to lean towards that, you know, solution uh, just just naturally. I, I would be in favor of them trading, you know, one or two of their draft picks for different uh, veteran players. But um, so so I'm, I'm a little bit further. But I agree that the, the price of wanting either a one or a two plus a player is awful steep. And uh, it'll be interesting to see if he does get traded and what that price ends up being, with whether it's the Browns or somebody else. Yeah, absolutely. So, so Jack, you know, 
talk some sense into me here. Uh, Paris Campbell made me irate. Uh, three million. I I don't even think you could have predicted that, buddy. And you've been on fire. Uh, that one was super cheap. And then you know, uh, do you agree with what uh, Charo? I, I hope I'm not saying your name wrong. Charo Cotton uh, says here at the bottom: the fact that they haven't signed a veteran receiver tells you that they're talking trade with someone. Do you believe that to be true? Do you believe they'll address receiver here, uh, Jack? Me and you have kind of uh, pushed back against each other again. On this topic for a while uh, I'm interested to hear what you have to say about the topic now yeah so I think the reason why Paris Campbell ends up taking a prove-it deal there that doesn't just make sense in Cleveland is he's going to be their wide receiver too this year well it's basically him versus Slayton for touches and that gives him a really nice spot add in Darren Waller but it's never quite the same with a tight end versus if he comes to Cleveland He's got to go up against Cooper, which is a clear upgrade on him. We're not just talking like Darius Slayton, where he's about the same level. It, Cooper is a, a, a whole nother um, level up. And then you've got DPJ, and then you've got Njoku. So it's one where you almost don't want to take a, a one-year prove-it deal in a congested place where you do have to battle for targets and opportunity. So it kind of limits what you get. So I don't think he was really in play unless they wanted to offer sort of potentially the five, six, sort of five million maybe with incentives to get to six, which, hey, you might have been happy to do and it might have been something that they potentially offered. Is it really that congested, though? Like, is it really? I I don't think it is because you got Cooper and DPJ and then you're banking on a David Bell breakout. And if you're really going to go to 11 personnel as much as we are hearing, right, as they transform their offense, then that third wide receiver, the only way you can justify spending money on a third wide receiver is if he gets 75, 80 targets. And if that guy is Paris Campbell, you're going to have more success in that role than pretending that you're a wide receiver one that he's not, or a wide receiver two that he's not really. But it's, it's one that you, if, if a team that plays lots of 11 personnel is probably somewhere around 66%. So there's going to be about a third of the snaps where one of those three wide receivers is off the field. And you're then just, hey, if you're the guy that potentially DPJ gets 10 million plus this offseason, you're significantly the third at three and a half million a year. So if I was his agent, I would not be encouraging him to take a one-year prove-it deal because I don't even think Bell's that relevant down there. Bell, Bell, I think he's clearly better than him. But I I would be saying don't go to Cleveland if you want a one-year prove-it deal. If Cleveland was willing to offer, say it was six million, say it was 18 million over three years, then hey, that's a deal. Yeah, go take it. Why not? But I don't think they're really in the the realm where they want to offer that. So I think Hmm. Judy makes sense to me. Um, I don't love it, but I don't hate it. I think you do that trade. Um, is then you pick up the fifth year option, and you probably extend him all at the same time, and say that's sixty million over three because he's not quite elite, but he's good enough. Um, that's the same sort of deal like the Mike Williams everyone got. Well, suddenly he's signed to a deal that's fifteen million a year for the next five years because you're mixing in that twenty a year with the fifth year option and the rookie deal. So that kind of works. You could have that and DPJ. But then you're not drafting a guy this year. So you go for one year where you've got Cooper, Judy, DPJ, Bell, Woods, and then Grant. 
and then and in then a year's fall, time, then you're in the gone, same Cooper's position gone, again. Yeah, and it's like, are, are you happy with that? And who knows? Bell Woods could step up and then be that three, or it's one in a year's time. You then draft another guy. Um, so th- there is a route where I see that working, but that is Amari Cooper leaving in a year's time. And if you're ready for Judy and DPJ to step up, go embrace it. Um, I think that works. I still think they're going to go draft someone, and with the market reducing. It does open up that conversation around a Hardman where you can go, hey, we'll actually offer that sort of 20 million over three. Come here, let, let's put you in this system. Um, because I, th- I think that would be pretty interesting value where you guarantee the first two years. Um, but part of me has always said, I think someone like a Trent Sherfield makes a lot of sense where you go, Cooper, actually, we'll keep you one or two years. DPJ, let's extend him in June, July time bring in a Trent Sherfield on one year and a team option next year, draft like a Josh Downs, then you've got Bell, then you've got Woods, and you've got Grant there potentially making the team. But you've got a really, really nice room that continues to sort of cycle through. Um, I, I still think that's probably the most likely route. It's not the sexiest route, don't get me wrong, but it allows you to keep rolling um, and moving forward. Yeah, I, I think for me, to your point, Jack, what would be ideal at this point uh, would be if you could get one of these guys to sign a one-year deal. Like, if you could get somebody to sign a one-year deal, I would give Hardman $8 million, $9 million for on a one-year deal, right? Because then now you can go take Josh Downs or, or, or add to your succession plan, right? And you have a, more of a chance of David Bell either coming on or more likely the guy that you take this year coming on and and filling like the value of having a rookie wide receiver that produces for you is so huge in the league right now and so key to constructing your roster Uh, fred i'm interested to hear what you have to say about this what do they do at wide receiver at this point are they stuck i mean uh, i mean are you gonna be uh, would you be disappointed if they end up with, uh, you know, a a real cheap veteran uh, out of free agency, not a Hardman, not a Shark, but somebody on a tier lower than that, and then have to go into the draft and find somebody? Or is that kind of what you expect? What do, what do you think they do? Are they in trade talks? What do you think, Fred? I think that would be disappointing to not yeah. come out with somebody. I mean, to me, that's that's – what you built this whole thing for and that's the glaring uh, weakness to me is the depth on the receiver room and they might love David Bell to death and Anthony Schwartz but I do not want to see a Jordan Elliott uh, you know kind of a similarity to what they did last year that they said you know we expect Jordan Elliott to be the breakout player of the year. Well, I didn't see anything from him last year. And you can't say that about David Bell or Anthony Schwartz because they haven't been there and done that. You need a guy. When you traded for Amari Cooper, you knew as soon as he got on the field, he was good for eight to 10 catches a game. Day one, you didn't have to say, well, let's take 10 weeks. I think of that Christian Watson that was a good player. But he was kind of garbage for half the season last year. I mean, he he kept dropping balls, trying to figure it out. And then he was good in the second half of the year. I don't like them totally. Let's face it. It's going to come down to Watson's play. If Watson's elite, there might be guys that like a Bell and a Schwartz that everybody's going, wow, they're really good. Because I'll be honest, 
like McCole Harmon. He was with the Chiefs a couple of years ago. I didn't even know who he was. They had guys I didn't even know who they were, but because <laughs> Holmes could throw them all open, they all look good. So that's what it comes down to. But I would rather have a been there, done that guy that you can plug in and you know is going to be ready to go. You know, and that's why I like the trade route. You know, if you can manipulate a trade, you have a veteran and you're just giving up, you know, a draft pick or something down the road, and you're probably taking on some salary. But, you know, when I look at this at the service, if they were willing to pay Hargrave 20, 21 million, I think the three big guys they got, or Jack might know more than me, but then they only spend about 21 million, you know, a year for those three. So they obviously must have more money with restructures on the table. So come up with something, you know, and to me, it seems like a trade market would be the best route. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think, uh, you know, Jack, you've done a really good job of laying out how little they have had to pay. I mentioned this before you came on the air, uh, how little they have had uh, to take on cap wise in their signings year one. So, I mean, if they did have to take on a big contract, they could probably do it, right, Jack? They can always do it, but then it just comes with deeper cuts next year. So it's one okay. where potentially Teller's gone next year, and or if you add a wide receiver, is Teller and Cooper gone next year? Um, and it's the more you spend now, the bigger the cut is next year. So it, it's all a balancing game with this stuff. So. Um, yeah, it, it just effectively comes down to numbers. I think the more wider discussion is what do they want the wide receiver room to look like? Is it the, like the Chiefs route where they had two 10 million guys um, and a rookie? Or is it more, hey, let's keep the, the stud in Amari Cooper, but then we need to be cheaper around him and you can't really have... You can probably go up to one guy on five million and that that's kind of the... It's that balance. You, you can only do one or the other. Some people are like, hey, let's pay Jerry Judy all this money and then we'll keep Amari Cooper as well. And it's like, well, if you want to go down that route, there's a lot of brutal cuts we're going to have to make in different parts of the offense. We can go into that, but people get upset when I start talking about right guards and running backs. Um, <laughs> so um, it, 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 you can't pay everyone 10 million plus. And people are like, oh, but we've got all these great players. I would rather have a problem where I can't pay all my players because if you can pay all your players, your roster sucks. And that's the simplest rule it is because if you're like, yeah, we can keep everyone. Well, you've not got enough good talent. We're now at a great spot where we've got loads of awesome talent and we've got to go, which great players do we want to keep? That's a great discussion rather than which poor player are we going to have to pay because we've got to pay somebody. All right. Uh, looks like Fred uh, bowed out there for a minute. Uh, and we'll see if he comes back in. Uh, thank you all for watching. We've got quite a crowd in here tonight. We appreciate it. Uh, everybody in the chat uh, and contributing. You're watching All Eyes on Cleveland on the OBR Streaming Network. Appreciate your contributions. Uh, guys, I have a new segment tonight we're going to do here. I want to I want to try it out with you guys. It's called Thing or Not a Thing, okay? Uh, if, if it's a thing, it matters. You care about it? You think it matters? If it's not a thing, it'll get worked out. It's no big deal, no sweat, whatever, right? So I'm going to just kind of quick fire around all of us. Thing or not a thing, all right, gentlemen? All right, let's start this out. Uh, Barry, thing or not a thing? 
running back three on this team and what they do with Dearness Johnson. Muting is a thing. Uh, yes, running back three is. is not a thing. Okay. Uh, we've got two great running backs. Well, Ford has to prove himself still a little bit yet, but uh, I'm not concerned about that at all at this point. Okay, Jack, thing or not a thing, do they keep uh, Dearness Johnson? Uh, is it a thing uh, or does it not matter? I think he's certainly the clubhouse favorite um, to get that spot, but I, I think for me they've got to add somebody. I I'm terrified going into next season with eight carry Jerome Ford as my backup. That worries me because, hey, if Nick Chubb's missing for the first four weeks of the season because he's injured, I'm not ready for Jerome Ford and potentially Juice Vaughn, who could be an exciting um, draft pick in sort of rounds four to five. But I, I don't want crazy money. Uh, people have said, hey, let's pay Kareem Hunt something. Dearness Johnson, maybe one and a half million. <coughs> Perfect. Play special teams as well which is a nice little benefit, just gives you that security. Um, and then, yeah, I, d- I don't mind if Jerome Ford beats him out, but at least I know I've got someone that can tout the rock. Week one, if, hey, worst comes to worst, Chubb gets injured. Oh, yeah, 100% draft someone, but give me those four. Give me Dearness, give me Chubb, give me Ford, and give me, say, Juice Vaughn in the fourth, fifth round. That, that's a really nice room, I think, that sets you up for the long term. Okay, Andrew, thing or not a thing, running back three? Uh, I think it's probably not a thing. Um, I, I mean, I agree with Jack that I'm I'm worried about Jerome Ford being the, the only backup, but, you know, typically you can either, you can either find somebody, you know, uh, through training camp, you know, somebody gets cut or a waiver cut, you know, leading into the first week of the season. Um, I, I don't think it's an area that they need to invest in, certainly. Um I, I, there's a lot of other positions I would put ahead of running back on on the list of things that I want to see them spend money on the rest of the offseason. Agreed. I'm, I'm going to go with not a thing because I think you can find somebody to tote the rock if you have to, especially with the amount of money that you freaking put in this offensive line. You, you know, I should be able to run through the holes they provide. Go ahead, Jack. Really good point by Ty Sox in the chat. Just asking, um, he said the vet contract discount um, which is exactly um, what they could do. They could effectively do what they did with Tacky Tacky, pay him the $2.6 million because, hey, why not just take some more money off Jimmy Haslam and use the minimum salary, uh, veteran salary benefit, which effectively means you only have to count about $1.2 million on the cap, even though you're giving him more. And that's not backloading the deal. It's the only loophole in the NFL where you can pay a guy more money and you never have to count it on the cap. Every other dollar you spend has to be counted, whether it's this year or next. This is a rule to allow um, older players to hang around. So they could certainly do that. They could do the same thing with um, Walker, pay him $2.6 million, and then you only have to count one point two in the cap. So I think that's a great shout. I hadn't even thought of doing him. I'd only thought of Walker. Free money. Yeah. It, as long as we can just keep robbing Jimmy Haslam, let's do it. Yep. <laughs> He's got the money hose, right? Isn't that you that said that, Andrew? He's got the money hose from uh, who's buying all of his company? Warren Buffett. Warren piece Buffett. Piece by piece over the years. Piece. Yeah, he 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 has. He, he, Jimmy Haslam is one of the few people in the country. I mean, there's a few of them, but he is one of them that has a money tree in his backyard. Thank you, Bradley Burns, for reminding everybody to hit the like button. I appreciate that. Brad's sticking together there. Thank yeah, you, Brad. Sorry. Uh, 
Parade solidarity. We like it. And we support it here on All Eyes on Cleveland. All right, guys, thing or not a thing, uh, starting with, uh, uh, let's start with Barry. Let's go slot cornerback. Uh, thing or not a thing. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You have frozen on my uh, video, but uh, I'm assuming you're asking thing or not a thing. Uh, mm. You're moving now, so everything's good. Uh, uh, but that's slot- definitely, definitely a thing. Uh, slot cornerback is definitely a thing. Uh, I know that I disagree with uh, Fred Breatham on this one. We talked about it on OBR Weekly yesterday. He says Greg Newsom will play wherever they want to play him. I think slot corner is becoming a specialized skill in the NFL these days. Uh, I think it's going to be paid increasingly well over time. Uh, I think we got to find somebody who wants to play that role, can play that role extremely well. I think it's a thing. Uh, Andrew, thing or not a thing, slot corner? Uh, two-parter, Brad. Uh, slot corner is a thing. They need to either uh, sign one or draft one for sure, 100%. But what is not a thing is having three talented cornerbacks for one more year. Uh, Jack wrote a great article about this uh, for us yesterday that I highly recommend, uh, basically laying out the paths forward. And I, I do think that they can survive one more year juggling three top-end outside cornerbacks. Um, next year, you know, in the, in the next offseason, they will be faced with a decision. And so it's a cross-that-bridge-when-you-come-to-it situation. But um, right now, the ideal scenario for them is that Ward, Emerson, and Newsom all play like 12 games, right? That's the ideal scenario is that they they trade off uh, slight hamstring injuries throughout the season and all put together really strong resumes of 12 games each, and then they're able to trade one after the season. But they do need a slot-specific corner, as Barry said, for sure. Well, uh, very possible that that happens. I mean, these guys are dinged often. Ward is dinged often. Newsom is dinged often. It's very possible that they all get uh, the same amount of games and they play on the outside and everybody's happy. Go ahead, Jack. Thing or not a thing, slot corner? Yeah, I think they need to address it. Um, It could be one where I think this is the year where fourth, fifth round, they probably take another corner um, because we know AJ Green's now a lock. So that we found out is a 1.4 million deal. So lock him in as one of your four corners. Um, You've then got, you could have a, so you have at least five corners, could have a sixth. So team, uh, the Browns tend to jump between six corners um, and four safeties or five and five. Um, I think that could easily be that late pick, fourth, fifth, sixth round. You can probably draft a guy that's really good in that and develop them. Um, Graham could be another guy that they, they like and develop there. They, he played a bit in there. I think he was their second most regular slot corner last year, playing some like 70-odd snaps um, behind Newsom. Um, so could go that way. I think they bring someone in. And just to note on, if you're playing zone, corners can tend to play like 100% of snaps. If you're actually playing quite a bit of man, you do need to rotate. Um, and that could be something that works in their favor if they do 
drift more to playing a lot of man. And it's why the Patriots have been one of the few teams over the last sort of five, ten years that have played more man than everyone else because they're so deep at corner. Because the issue is if you have to do man and you run um, 40-odd yards full pelt with a wide receiver, say Tyreek Hill, you're going to get gassed off that play. He might come off the field for a play, but you've got to have another corner that goes in. You can't just be like, oh, yeah, we're going to obviously play zone on this next one and the defense um, gives a tell. So um, certainly want to keep in mind that I think they'll add someone. I think it might be more draft than free agency, um, but they, they could easily go that route. But I think the fact that AJ Green's got paid, probably pretty happy. Yeah, um uh, sorry, clicked in the wrong there. Bradley Burns again. Uh, you know, thoughts on he has AJ's an outside corner. He's not really a slot corner. He he's not uh, done it. They haven't. I mean, I think they've probably tried to cross train him a little. He does it, I guess, when he's forced into action. But he's not a true slot corner. They need a true slot nickel corner that can run on and off the field when they. You know when that when they go into their nickel set, he runs onto the field and off. Like last year, it's absurd to take Newsom on from the outside, kick him in, run somebody else on the field. It's ass backwards nonsense the way they tried to do that last year. I get your guys' point about having three corners, but now we're talking about drafting another one to trade another. It's a, it just sounds insane. I think you can have three good corners like this, but you need somebody that can come on the field and play the slot truly only this is the slot guy and then keep Newsom out of there uh so make him happy and i think everybody can work out in the end if you're gonna move off of somebody i would prefer to move off of denzel ward the question is can you get you know if you're forced to right i would prefer to move off of him at this point with the number of concussions he has in the 20 million dollar contract i don't know uh, thoughts on thoughts on who you would prefer to move off of barry if you had to move off of one of these three well, it'd be Ward, but I don't think you're going to find a trade partner for him uh, because of the concussions and the uh, size of the salary cap. Um, I, I am disappointed because one of the free agents I really wanted them to target was Isaiah Oliver, uh, who would have been a very good slot corner. The Niners got him. The Niners have an uncanny eye for free agents on defense, it seems to me, uh, and they snagged him. Uh, I was very disappointed by that. Uh, Bradley, by the way, asking uh, in uh, the chat about a, a Tavier Thomas reunion. He was signed again, uh, I believe, by the Texans uh, signed again, so he's no longer available. So I don't know of any great slot corners who are out there waiting to be plucked off a tree right now. So, um, you know, maybe some of you do, but uh, uh, at this point, uh, draft sounds like probably the best way to get there. Yeah, draft does. I can tell you what's left, uh, of course. Uh, you know, you could, of course, revisit Troy Hill. He's in a good uh, slot corner. Uh, uh, he's still available. Uh, Eli Apple, Mike Hughes. Uh, I don't know if he's played in the slot at all. Uh, I think he has, actually. Probably the uh, best name out there. Yeah, Bryce Callahan is your best option out there. Interestingly enough, you know, Rocky Sin still available, a really good man corner on the outside. Marcus Peters still available. So the corner market it hasn't developed as as much as some of the other markets on free agency. Uh yeah, Eli Apple is uh wouldn't touch with a ten foot pole. Uh so 
Yeah, but interesting there. You know, I think it's a big deal, actually, with Newsom's gripes that he has made very clear. It'll be interesting how Schwartz handles it, but I actually think it's a big thing that they address slot corner and figure this thing out before the season starts with these three good corners and none of them being able to really play slot. You can't put Ward in there because you can't ask him to play the run. He'll have a concussion day one. Uh, you know, Newsom's not all about what, you know, who said it best we had on the show here was Quincy Carrier. And he said, the slot corner is a guy that will do what other guys won't do. If you're truly talented, you shouldn't have to play slot. They'll kick you outside. The guys that make really good slot corners are often UDFAs, late round draft picks, because they will come in be gritty play the run you know get physical do the stuff that the more talented corners don't want to have to do and uh, he's right about that so uh, I think that's something to pay attention to all right guys uh, let's keep going here Uh, thing or not a thing Kellen Mond is your backup quarterback Barry well, I, I, I don't know how we define thing. That's a thing to me. Um, <laughs> it's a thing that needs to be uh, looked at. The problem is we as observers don't know a lot about Kellen Mond, uh, you know, in this offense. Uh, we haven't seen a lot of him, uh, you know, with bullets flying. So it's hard to have a lot of confidence in him uh, at this point. Um, the backup cornerback mark, quarterback market that's out there doesn't fill me with a ton of confidence either. Uh, at this point, I'm putting my trust in the front office. They seem to like him. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, you bring in a Dref- Jeff Driscoll or somebody like that, I would have some interest in uh, creating a little bit of competition there for the backup quarterback. Uh, but uh, I think it's a thing. I think it's a thing we need to look at. A thing or not a thing, Andrew? Um, this is such a tough one. I really have gone back and forth on this because – you know, given their limited resources, I don't want to see them spend a bunch of money. But then, you know, you see this the contract that Sam Darnold signed with the 49ers, for example, and I'd vastly prefer Sam Darnold back up to Sean Watson this year to Kellen Mond. So um, if they could get something done at that price point, I would be in favor of it. But, uh, you know, to, to Barry's point, uh, how many of those guys are left at this point? A lot of the backup quarterbacks have signed already. So, I, yeah, I think it is a little bit of a trust in the front office and – you know, uh, I know Dobbs signed with the Browns a little later last offseason, so maybe it'll be a repeat of that situation. I, I'm sure he's on their radar and they're on his radar as well because it was such a you know such a good pairing last year. So um, I, I, I would say that this is half a thing. Half a thing. Okay, I'll take it. Are we allowing that? Okay, we'll allow it. Uh, all right. Uh, Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater and Marcus Mariota are the only names right. uh, worth Mariota for the right price, for sure. Yeah, the only names uh, that are left up on PFF site. Now that means there's other guys there. They're just not good enough for PFF to write <laughs> uh, type type on their page. Uh, uh, I will uh, throw this to Jack next, but I would have to agree that like I've been in my mock free agency thing. I had Dobbs as the backup. Listen, Dobbs makes a ton of sense. He's super smart. If you listen to the interview uh, that um, Deshaun did with his, with uh, Avery. what's his name? Avery. Avery. 
Yeah. Uh, uh, on the podcast, right? Dobbs and Watson have been boys since 10th grade. I had no idea, but they've been friends since 10th grade, which he talked about on the podcast. Dobbs is like a, a, a rocket scientist smart. Like he's elite, elite level smart. Uh, and what you have to be... He showed he's a gamer in Tennessee last year. He showed he can play when forced into action. Um, and what he needs to be more than anything is a support sounding board, you know, intelligent mind to work with Watson. They already have a relationship. He's super smart. He seems to be the perfect fit for me. I don't know why they kept, I mean, they obviously like Mond or else they wouldn't have kept him on the roster all last year uh to to set him up for this uh jack is mond as the backup thing or not a thing so i'm happy with him as the backup but i want to see him win it um so right. i don't want to give him a coronation and go hey you can have the job um there, there's guys that i'm happy to do that with i, I could look at a um delp it and go hey you're, you're locked in you're the second safety happy days i don't need competition for him to win that job whereas if you bring in a Dobbs for me makes a lot of sense. Driscoll's the cheaper version of that, and I'm happy with both of them because whoever the backup is, I want them to be able to run around. I'm less worried about their arm talent because if their arm talent's good, they're not going to be cheap, and I'm not diverting resources from a potential def defensive tackle two to pay for a backup quarterback. So um, get me someone, and I, I really like a room that is Watson locked in, and then behind that have Dobbs. If you give him like a 100 grand guaranteed and 2 million max deal. Then you have Mond. And then I, I'd happily draft a guy. Is it Dorian Robinson Tomlinson or something like that? that um, yeah, you're right. But, so that seems like somebody that's on their radar. The UCLA's quarterback, uh, he's going to go late. They like him. He's very athletic. He fits the the profile. Uh, profiles like Watson does athletically. Go ahead, Jack. Finish yeah, your thought. You tend to have four QBs in camp. So I'm really happy with that setup of going, look, we've got number one locked in and then sixth round pick at QB. I don't care if he gets cut at the end of camp. That's perfectly fine. Three guys. We'll keep one. We might keep two of them. And other one, will if we keep one on the roster, we'll slide one onto the practice squad. But that's just a, it's a solid room where it's two million, it's one million, or it's dirt cheap as a rookie. Whoever wins it, good luck to them. Um, but that that's the kind of competition that I want to build where I'm not spending any money. And if this Robinson Tomlinson turns out to be good, he might be the third QB behind Dobbs or somebody else. <laughs> then he's just going to be a cheap backup for three more years and you're going to pay him three million for three years of being a backup QB rather than paying four million a year, five million a year for a Case Keenum, something like that. What are you laughing at, Andrew? That Robinson Tomlinson? Yeah, I, I like that a lot. Dorian Thompson Robinson. There you go. That's all right. Hey, hyphenated names. Tough, difficult thing or, thing or not a thing. Uh, yeah, clearly I, 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 I'm just having fun. I'm enjoying it. Clearly a thing for Jack Duffin. All right. <laughs> uh, let's go. Uh, uh, last thing or not a thing here, and then I'm going to hit you with a couple of rapid fire questions because we're running up over an hour here, and we appreciate everybody tuning into uh, the OBR streaming network tonight. Make sure you hit the like button and the notification bell so you know every time we go live because we go live four times a week, and you can enjoy all this fantastic content. All right, real quickly, guys. Uh, Froholt walking to Arizona that gets away out of the Browns. Uh, thing or not a thing, Barry? 
Uh, I don't think that's the thing. I don't think that's the thing. I, I, I like them, uh, you know, but, uh, uh, you know, I, 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 I'm not sure about Nick Harris being interior offensive line depth uh, at this point. You know, I haven't seen enough of them really because of all the injuries. Uh, but at, at this point, it's not really something I'm, I'm super concerned about uh, with the addition of Posick. So not a thing for me. Jack Duffin, thing or not a thing, Froholt. Not a thing. As soon as we sign Pochich, I don't need to spend any money on my third guard. Um, I'm happy now. Um, hey, if, if, uh, let Deaton, um, Forbes, whoever. I, I, I don't really mind now. Um, yeah, who let, is let, that now? Well, there, there's a nice competition. Harris is currently number two. You've got – you tend to carry uh, – the Browns have 10 – O-lineman. We know the top five. We've got two gar- uh, two tackles in Hudson and Hay. I think they'll end up drafting someone and Hay will be out. Um, then you've got um, Forbes. Then you've got um, Deaton. And then you've got Harris. I'm, I'm happy rolling with that. Um, no, because Dunn didn't get the a restricted free agent tender. So Dunn's a free agent now. Oh, really? Um, as far as I'm aware. But I would happily bring Dunn back. Potentially another one, as we touched on, um, with Tysock saying that veteran benefit where you actually we won't pay you the 2.6 million on the tender but what we'll give you is a the the minimum salary benefit i don't know if he can actually because he's only done three years but give it a go where you pay him 2.6 it only counts as 1.2 and then happy days you know what's a shame those five names that you just rattled off as the browns backup line line of that's probably it could be a starting line of scrimmage for some teams in the nfl uh, that and that's why I keep pounding home. They're spending way too much damn money on the offensive line. All right, go ahead, uh, Andrew. Thing or not a thing on Froholt? Uh, I'm going to say it's a thing, but not for the reason that I think you mean. Um, I just want to point out that uh, we're four days in a free agency, and the Browns have one, two, three, four, and I see that Greedy Williams just signed with the Eagles, so that makes five free agents that have already signed with other teams mm-hmm. um which i think is an indicator of the rising level of the talent on the roster right um none of sure. these guys obviously broke the bank um you know none, none of them were like whoa you know uh, chase winovich signed a record setting edge count you know they're all signing for the minimum but the point is is that the Browns castoffs are seen as players for other teams, other other teams that are trying to get to where the Browns are. And so, you know, one of the things that that we kind of debated back and forth at the end of the season and into the beginning of the offseason was, is it that they're not a good team or is it that they've not maybe been coached that well? One way that you can look at that is when players leave the Browns, do they have other offers? And, and obviously a lot of their players have this, this offseason. So that's I think that bodes well for the talent level of the roster now it's up to the coaches to get the most out of it. Yeah, I would agree. Like, I think that they've done a pretty good job accumulating talent, but I think the one thing that Andrew Barry has failed to do is, like, put together a team. You, you know, it, it feels like he's great at stacking up talent, but at some point it needs to be a team. Um, and uh, so, you know, team building is a part of this, right? And supposedly that was supposed to be an emphasis this year. Uh, and uh, I have that written down, actually, as they made a, cu- a couple people have commented from the Browns organization that they're making a conscious effort to bringing bringing in winning pedigree, good culture, locker room guys. Does that seem true so far with their signings, Barry? 
Yeah, I'd say so. I'd say so. You know, uh, Thornhill, I guess, would probably be an example of a guy who's coming from a winning culture, right? Um, you know, we'll see. You know, if Tomlinson seems like a really decent dude, he does. He seems seems like a decent dude. Um, You know, obviously uh, they know a lot uh, of, you know, a bit about him coming from the Vikings program. So um, it might be a little bit too early to make that judgment, but they they seem to be in that direction. Okay. Uh, I would say that real quickly, I wanted to throw that out there while we were on that topic uh, about the team stuff. Um, I actually think Froholt is a thing. Uh, I thought that he did a terrific job filling in for Teller last year. Uh, he played like five, four or five games, I think, uh, when Teller was hurt and uh, at just barely a little bit lower level than Teller was playing at the time. Uh, you know, I was all for moving off of Teller and giving the job to Froholt this year. So uh, that's where I was with uh, just trying to get some money off of this offensive line so that they could have a succession plan to wide receiver, right, or whatever. So uh, I don't – I don't. they didn't do it, but uh, I wouldn't have minded it, to, to be honest. And I think Froholt is actually a pretty good – damn player and uh somebody else once again is going to benefit from bill callahan's uh tutelage on one of these linebackers or uh pardon me offensive linemen all right quick fire guys uh we're uh over here so uh does lamar jackson end up in baltimore uh barry uh for at least this year yes uh jack I think it's probably likely at this point. Um, the Colts are the only ones that make any sense, I think, now. Yeah. Andrew? No. I, I think the, the relationship there is broken, and I think that uh, some team is going to get desperate and make that move. Yeah, it's really interesting, and I, we can talk about this real quick, but, like, I, I took a bunch of notes on this stuff, but, like, if you go back and go through the timeline of the the negotiation that he's had, it has really, really hurt him with not having an agent. Like, when the teams came out right away and all said, oh, we're not interested, and everybody was like, collusion, collusion, it may be, right, like, that they just don't want to, to pay that guaranteed money, but that never would have happened if he had a power agent because nobody would have wanted to piss him off, right? Uh, They have to do business with this guy every day. So nobody would have came out and said, no, we're out, right? Nobody would have done that if he had an agent or a representation. Um, There's been multiple ways that they could have handled this better. I think that the Ravens realized at some point there's nobody out there that can construct a contract right now that can force us off of it, right? Like there's like you can't do a poison pill, but somebody could have came in and put like a fifty million dollar cap hit in year one and they would have been screwed, right? And they would have been like, all right, we have to we gotta give them up. We'll take the two first round picks. But they felt confident enough that nobody out there was gonna do that. The other thing is, and interestingly enough, I heard somebody say this, and I probably I said this before on the show, but you do have to sit on the books like whatever team makes an offer if they signed him to an offer sheet they have to sit with that money on their books during free agency week so maybe after this first week is done like then we see an offer or whatever if somebody has the money to put in escrow and offer him the deal that the baltimore can't uh match because otherwise you're just wasting your time you're wasting resources and all that so you really have to have a calculated plan to even go about this process so baltimore kind of 
is screwing him over, and, and we'll see what happens. I, it's a tough situation. Anybody want to comment on that? Nope. No. All right. Moving on. Uh, let's uh, finish up here. I had a uh, qu- other question, uh, AFC North here. Uh, Orlando Brown signing in Cincinnati. Uh, a thing or not a thing? Thoughts on that, Barry? Do you think that uh, uh, they spent a good deal of money on bringing him in? Uh, is that a big thing for Cincinnati? That is a very big thing for Cincinnati, in my opinion. Um, they uh, signed a guard today, I believe, as well, uh, or they're about to sign a guard. Uh, they want to put an impenetrable wall in front of Joe Burrow. I cannot blame them uh, whatsoever. Uh, it is going to make them that much more frightening of an offense uh, this next year. Um, you know, uh, the best hope that uh, the AFC North has is that Joe Burrow uh, is not healthy all year. And uh, Cincinnati Bengals are doing the best that they can to uh, keep their franchise quarterback healthy. And uh, I think that's a big deal. I think it's a a very good signing on their part. Yeah, big signing. Uh, A lot of money, though. I mean, you're talking about them adding a lot of money with the three wide receivers, right? Uh, I think they probably hang on to... um, uh, one of one of them we're gonna have to move off of next off season probably. Jack, thoughts on that? I think it's a really bad move for them to put that much money into a left tackle that struggles in pure pass sets. So if you know they're gonna pass, which hey, if you're the Bengals, boy, is their strength is passing the ball. That's not what you want. If it was hey, struggled a bit in pure run sets, I'm like yeah, whatever. Um, pass to win and if you're struggling a little bit in the run it's not the end of the world and it's so much money tied up there that it almost just doesn't make sense um i think they could have probably found it cheaper but i think to link this to the browns is why you've just got to pick up will's fifth year option um because it's so hard to go out there and find just even average it's mad to think that 14 million a year next year so in 2024 he's probably going to be just below average in terms of the cost of left tackles, yeah. which is just insane as a position market, considering like Nick Chubb's one of the highest paid running backs at 12 million. He's going to be below average at 14 million at left tackle. So um, I think it's you've got to pick up that fifth year option, not extending, but you've now got two years to make a plan. Um, and it's why people might not like it. Keep an eye out for left tackle at 42 um, because they could easily do that. And then they can still trade off wheels because someone's going to pay him. Because if he's just providing average and he's costing just below average, hey, he's got a little bit of value. Um, I would absolutely throw a fit if they don't if they don't dress wide receiver. Uh, I, first of all, let, let's be honest. I don't think they're going to pick at forty two. Like the the word on this draft is right. Like the player you get at thirty to forty is is very similar to the player you get at seventy or eighty. So knowing that, or that's what the evaluation uh, that most people are saying about this draft is. Barry is going to probably trade back and try to get two picks in the top 80. That would be my thought right now, Uh, but we'll see. Uh, Andrew, thoughts on uh, Brown to the Bengals? Yeah, I think I lean more towards Jack's side of the argument in terms of it being a lot of money for an offensive lineman who has not been as good as his reputation um, for the most part. But um, And and I do think it's also just interesting, the, the Bengals investing that much money 
um, on the offensive line. You know, I, I get wanting to keep Joe Burrow safe, um, but it is it does feel like you know between that and the wide receivers, they they have to have just an insane amount of money tied up in their offense. Obviously, once Burrow gets his extension, so um, you know that's the right side of the ball to invest in. But you know, the other thing Bengals wise is that I mean they they are maybe talking to Nick Scott. It sounds like but lost both their starting safeties um, and, you know, Eli Apple moved on. So, you know, uh, what that uh, defense looks like is going to be an interesting question. I, I have a ton of respect for Lou Anarumo, but um, a lot of talent has walked out the door in Cincinnati this off season. So, um, you know, they, they might be in more of a situation where they have to kind of pass to win because they're behind, you know, potentially. Let's hope so. Uh, yeah. yeah. So you're right about that. The safety situation is a interesting one. And, um, uh, you know, that's what I meant to say. Yeah. Resigning T Higgins seems to be when they add that contract, it feels like Higgins is there for one year at the, at the longest. Uh, it seems right. like to me, I don't think they can sustain his contract any further after this year. But he's good enough that they're not going to trade him off early, right? Because they're in that window, so they're going to just roll with it and take the loss probably or get the comp pick, whatever they can do, right? Uh, all right, guys, uh, to wrap this thing up, I just want your kind of like throw me your ideal scenario out. Like we're concerned that they're not going to do anything else. My Here's mine real quick. Uh, you know, Ashawn Robinson – Okay, he's like my ideal guy on the board now, I think would be relatively cost effective and is better than Hurst and better than uh, what's his nuts, the guy they brought in today. And and they're going to put him, he could start next to Tomlinson, right? So that makes a lot of sense for me. At edge, uh, Frank Clark is intriguing, but I also think Carlos Dunlap is, is cost effective. He's good against the run. He can get after the passer. He can play your extra 500 snaps without having to at, rely on Alex Wright. Uh, I would give Hardman, try to get him on a one-year deal, or Shark. Uh, on a one-year deal, or even Trent Sherfield, if you have to. Just add a body on a one-year deal in there that's a professional receiver and then address it again in the draft. Uh, anybody else have a rundown like that you want to throw at me, Barry? Uh, well, I, I've sort of uh, changed a little bit from my uh, dream free agent scenario that I put out a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I had them trading a third-round pick for Brandon Cooks to solve the wide receiver uh, situation. I'll stick with that. I took some grief about trading for Cooks, but I'll stick with that for now. Uh, I was uh, pushing a Sean Robinson myself back then. Uh, right now I'm sort of thinking about Ioannidis a little bit. I like the fact that you have Tomlinson there, who's a run guy, Ioannidis, who can put a little bit more pressure on the passer, um, be a nice balance, I think, uh, to mix those two. Uh, I'd like to see that uh, happen. Um, those are the two main cogs uh, in the machine that I'm thinking about right now, um, right off the top of my head. Very good. I like it. I I'd be okay with uh, all that. Uh, Andrew? Um, probably the name that I'm most excited about uh, that's left is um, – in terms of free agents is, I, you know, I, I think another edge would be, would be fun. And, and Leonard Floyd, you know, if he's available for, for a decent price is, is a guy that I just think, you know, he's one of those guys that works. He really feeds off of having the, the single team opposite the double team. It's it's been yeah. kind of his career. And so um, I think he would, and, and, you know, he was with 
uh, Ankaranquo in in uh, L.A. So they LA. know each other. So like that is a tandem to me. I think they would have, you know, potentially some of the best pressure guys in the league. Um, you know, uh, sh- shout out to Larry Bedouin in chat uh, mentioning Shelby Harris. I think that he got released by the Seahawks after they signed uh, Draymond Jones. That makes a ton of sense, um, uh, you know, on a lower money deal. Uh, I do think they need to figure out a linebacker, a middle linebacker. I don't really want to draft another linebacker high. So um, somebody there, I'm not particularly worried about, you know, who it is, um, you know, whether it's Walker or, uh, you know, our Brad Stainbrook has been talking about Nicholas Morrow a fair amount. Um, you know, that's that's another name, I think. Um, yeah. And then Intriguing, wide receiver, man. I would do the Judy trade. I really would because I, I, I mean, Jack broke it down so well earlier. Uh, I think – I think I like where Jerry Judy is in his upside over the next five years, a lot better than where Amari Cooper is in his uh, trajectory and where he's headed over the next five years. So, you know, something that gets lost in all this, Jerry Judy is 23 years old. So there's a very good chance that his best football is ahead of him. Uh, And so if you can get him now with a pick that you were going to use on a wide receiver anyway, and then, and then sign him to the sort of deal that Jack suggested where he's affordable for like a five-year window at a below market deal, you know, he, he could be the Browns' number one wide receiver in my mind. You guys are all have great great ideas. Uh, wrap it up here for us, Jack. Give me your uh, your dream scenario down the stretch here. Yeah, so I think we've got four spots left. So start with DT. Calais Campbell's my ideal, but I'm happy with Ioannidis, which is weird because I went in, if you'd have asked me two months ago, Ioannidis was up there was my sort of number one. Um then Edge Fowler for me would be such a mm. great guy. Insane pressure numbers um, and just gets the quarterback so quickly. Um, the backup there would be Justin Houston. Um, really, really, really good pressure numbers. And you stop the Ravens getting him, which is always a bonus. Um, <laughs> then to middle linebacker, Walker for me just makes the most sense. But if not him, Rashawn Evans um, or Devin Bush. Just spend like two mil. I don't. I don't want anything crazy. Two, two and a half mil. Bringing a guy does really, really well. Um, the offensive side, of the ball. I just Sherfield, Hilton. Um, even if it's uh, Marquis Goodwin, just does a job for me. Gives me a really nice floor for a year while we bring these young guys on. And if it's a case that Sherfield by week three or four isn't needed and Josh Downs, Bell, Woods have all beat him out, so be it. I'm not worried that I've spent three million just for that peace of mind that something could go wrong. Because hey, we could be four weeks into the season and Amari Cooper's out for three weeks, four weeks. What happens? You can't just have like DPJ and uh nothingness um, and rely on rookies that hey, Downs might take eight weeks to develop into a guy that we want. Doesn't mean he's not got a really high ceiling moving forward, but at the same time I feel in terms of like all the moves, whether it's your D hop, whether it's your cooks, the Judy trade makes a lot more sense to me. And I, it intrigues me a lot more that you've got someone that you go, Hey, it's a five year commitment of 15 million a year average. Well, that's suddenly not too bad. It's if it was, we were trading for him and he was on his fifth year option and suddenly mm-hmm. it's four years, 80 million. Well, suddenly I'm like, yeah, I'm not, I'm, I'm not so keen on this. So um, I, I think it's, yeah, why not? I wouldn't be if you'd have said we're getting our first pick in the end of the third round. I'm like, yeah, I'm not sure. But when you put it that way, I'd be cool with that that trade. Um, I don't I don't love it, but I certainly don't hate it. I'm like, 
that this makes sense. Yeah. Um, somebody in chat here, you know, mentions Parham. It's interesting, like, they're, we didn't even bring it up, but they, they're probably still going to address tight end somehow, either via the draft or, or here, because I think they want to give competition um, to their backup, right? So go ahead. So just on Parham, a small sample, so don't get too carried away here, but on tight ends that have 17 or more targets, so we're talking 168 snaps I think he's had, and this is factored in his run blocking, pass blocking, receiving, all of the stuff with PFF. He's the fifth-ranked tight end. Um, so incredible production. Small sample, um, 100%. But that's the kind of guy that if you're talking a minimum salary, gamble, that's the talent you want to bring in. And I think Maurice Hurst is almost in that discussion of Maurice Hurst might not make the 53, but I want to gamble on bodies like that to come in at camp and push people at the bottom of the roster. So um, Parham was a restricted free agent, so would never appear in my series of 600-plus no, guys with Brad. Um, but... Yeah, I, I would be over the moon if they brought in Parham, even if he doesn't make the roster. That's a great gamble to take. Uh, I, yeah, I like that too. Uh, absolutely. Uh, they took my guy Josh Oliver, was like the first free agent signed in freaking free agency, and I wanted him badly. Uh, but uh, interesting. Did uh, listen, what uh, I didn't. What? Did you get a lot of money? Seven million a year. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. Uh, I was thinking. Yeah. Am I pushing it up a bit high? Spend two and a half million. Um, yeah, it's been up. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, so the last thing that I didn't address there was linebacker guys, and you mentioned uh, Andrew. I think you mentioned Nicholas Morrow, who was you know linked to the Browns. He's an intriguing name, but the name that we keep hearing from everybody is Anthony Walker, right? Like they want him back there's a mutual interest what is taking so long to get this done if, if there's mutual interest and they want him back he can't be asking for that much money and are are you comfortable with his health like or would you rather go a different direction because you want somebody that's maybe more you you believe will be healthier uh this year uh barry honestly i can't tell you what the what the holdup is um you know, you were talking a little bit earlier about bringing in team guys, character guys. Uh, Walker is that. Yes. Uh, and, you know, he has continuity. Um, obviously, you changed the defensive coordinator, so I'm not sure exactly how much that's going to mean. But, uh, you know, he's the type of guy you want on your team. So I don't know what the holdup is, honestly. I, I have no inside information to give you. Yeah. Uh, do, are you good with Anthony Walker to come back, or do you want somebody somebody different in there? Uh, I am absolutely fine with Anthony Walker coming back. He had a very good year last year, uh, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, played better than expectations. They were going to try and replace him at the beginning of the year, and uh, he played as well, uh, uh, you know, better than I expected or better than they expected, and uh, uh, outplayed Jacob Phillips. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Andrew, are you good with A Walk coming back? And uh, or are you intrigued by Mora, or you think uh, they should go someplace else? Yeah, I, this is this is one that definitely. I mean, I know the game is over, but this is not a thing for me. Um, you know, <laughs> uh, Walker, you know, the injury is a question. I mean, we, I, I mentioned this on uh, I think Jake's show on Tuesday. 
how many torn quads do we even really have, you know, in the NFL? So like where he's at with his recovery, I think is, is a valid question. What it's going to do to his, you know, ability as a player, I think is a question. Anytime there's these injuries that are the sort of the non-standard ones, then the recovery curve looks a little different. You know, it just makes you ask those sorts of questions. Um, so, you know, in, ter- in terms of your question about timing, uh, I, I can't imagine that he's, you know, going to be ready to do anything now. So it probably doesn't matter if they sign him now or if they sign him in June. Um, you know, I think, you know, this might be one where they can, I know that Jack made a great point about them wanting to have mostly a set 53 going into the draft. This is one position where I would be okay with them leaving a little bit of daylight there. Also worth mentioning that Taki Taki played really well, uh, filling in in the middle and, uh, he's coming back. So, you know, do they move him to middle? And you have JOK and Taki Taki as your two main linebackers. And then maybe, you know, Jack loves the idea of keeping Reggie Ragland around for another year as the third, you know, the strong side backer that comes in on, on rundowns. Something like that would make sense. And, and again, you've got money that you can then hopefully use somewhere else. Yeah. Um, Taki Taki, the change in timeline is interesting, right? Like it sounded like we kept reading for a while that he was going to be out most of the year. Now all of a sudden he's going to be ready at the beginning of the year. And it's a significant injury we're talking about. So uh, I'll be interested to see how if that actually plays out that way uh, or, you know, I don't know. It's the ACL Uh, though, right? So it's like I I know that you never want to like take for granted an injury, but – you know, an ACL versus a torn quad. One is like a very well-worn path of recovery, and the other one is like, what the hell happened? Sure, I just think there there's a non-zero chance that you he's not ready till like week five Definitely. or six or whatever. Yeah, they probably need uh, a linebacker. Yeah, uh, go ahead, Jack. Thoughts on linebacker? Are you good with a walk? Uh, Andrew summed up my opinions brilliantly. Get me a walk. Get me Reggie Ragland. Throw it all at a wall and see what happens. Um, right. and, and that's that's very much my mentality i want to be in every single room the days where we were chatting about fifth sixth seventh round picks and seeing which one can start i now want to be at the point where a sixth and seventh round pick might not make the roster because we've got one extra player in every single room at camp and then that's a battle then during the season hey that third rotational guy, whether it's the third safety, is trying to battle and force, delp it out and try and nick his job. I really want this whole sense of competition everywhere. Um, hey, if Newsom and Emerson are fighting over who's going to be cornerback two, that's great. I, I want it that there is just so many people fighting for spots. And it, I don't care if we end up with a load of draft picks getting cut, a load of other stuff getting forced out, fine. Give me talent. And then what we'll get at the end of camp is we'll send two, three players to other teams and pick up an extra fifth, sixth, seventh. It might be two years down the line, but just keep keep churning through those guys, and uh, competition is good. Yeah, it is. Uh, what's the phrase everybody always says, like every player that ever comes in here, uh, iron sharpens iron or whatever, yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, the most used, uh, statement by, uh, Brown's, uh, signees in the last 10 years, iron sharpens iron. All right, let's, uh, 
Let's get out of here. All eyes on Cleveland. Uh, thank you, Barry, for taking your time. The big cheese, as they said uh, when you came on. I appreciate you uh, spending the entire time with us. Thanks to the the legend Fred Greetham for stopping by. Jack Duffin for sneaking in, you sneaky bastard. You sliding in on the show uh, on me here tonight. Fantastic job, though. And Andrew Spade, uh, oh, as always, entertaining, uh, well thought, and uh, well spoken. So you guys were all great. Great show to everybody. Everybody all around for everybody else over at the OBR. Uh, thanks for uh, uh, all the contributions this week. We've gotten a ton of compliments and everything. So, uh, and thanks to everybody for watching tonight. Big crowd here uh, on Thursday night on the OBR streaming network uh, for everybody at the OBR. Uh, and uh, uh, my name is Brad Ward. This has been another edition of All Eyes on Cleveland. We are out.